Rangers. All right. Here's Commissioner Bogan. I saw Commissioner McKenzie here a minute ago. Oh, there he is. There he is. <laughs> That's exactly right. Okay. Oh, I think we're all here. Miss Commissioner Ryan's going to be here with us shortly. Okay. We're going to now, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to take your seats, please. We're going to call the order of the Broward County Board of County Commissioners. Fiscal year 24 final millage rates and final budgets and adoption of the FY 2024-2028 capital program this Tuesday, September 19, 2023 at 5.04 p.m. So good evening. I am Lamar Fisher, the mayor of Broward County. And tonight, Broward County and Board of County Commissioners will conduct public hearings on the final millage, final millage rates and final budgets that will support county services during the fiscal year 2024. This is the last of the two public hearings as required by law. The purpose of the hearing is to receive comments from the public and provide information on the county's proposed budget and tax levies. The public hearing will be conducted in three sections. The first section includes public hearings on countywide and municipal, Broward Municipal Services District millage rates and budgets. The second section includes public hearings on the millage rates and budgets for the county's dependent water control districts. And the third section includes adoptions of the county's five-year capital improvement program. An agenda listing all the items is available near the entrance. If you are interested in addressing the Board of County Commissioners about an item on the agenda, please register with a county staff member near the entrance of the Commission's chambers. County staff is also available near the entrance to answer any questions about the county's budget and taxes. If anyone has questions about the property value assessment exemptions, again, if anyone has questions about property value assessments or exemptions, the property appraiser's office can be reached at 954-357-6830. Again, that's 954-357-6830 or martycare at bcpa.net. Or the property appraiser staff is available in room 111, which is downstairs on the first floor of this building from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Monday through Friday. With that introduction, let's begin. Begin with the aggregate millage rate. For fiscal year 2024, there was a proposed 9.93% aggregate increase in property taxes when compared with the taxes generated from the aggregate rollback rate. The rollback rate generates approximately the same amount of taxes as the prior year, plus taxes generated from new buildings added to the tax roll. The aggregate millage rate of 5.5826 as compared to an aggregate rollback rate of 5.0783 includes ad valorem taxes levied by the county and its dependent districts with exceptions of voted debt service taxes. This aggregate millage rate is the basis for the state required advertisements concerning budget and taxes. The rollback millage rates and the percentage change in property taxes are based on the assessment rolls certified by the property appraiser. Item A will be the countywide millage and budget. The public hearing is open on the general county millage rate budget. The final millage rate proposed for general county purposes, exclusive of debt surface, is 5.5492, 5 
which represents a 9.95% increase in property taxes as compared to the rollback rate of 5.0472. The final millage rate for voted debt service is 0.1198. When combined, the two elements, the final millage rate for all general county purposes, including debt service, is 5.6690, the same as last year. I would like to introduce Monica Sapiro, the county administrator, provide a brief overview of the county budget and millage rate. Good evening, Ms. Sapiro. Good evening, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Today we're presenting a budget for fiscal year 24 totaling $8.689 billion, which is $1.73 billion more than fiscal year 23. The operating budget reflects an increase in the amount of $564.5 million, largely due to increases in the airport, port, Everglades Transit and Tourist Development Programs that have fully recovered from the pandemic, in addition to increasing funding for public safety and affordable housing. It also reflects an increase in the capital budget of $1.163 billion, largely due to the budgeting of the Forensic Science Center, an increase of capital projects at the airport and surtax projects, including the PRIMO plan. Finally, there is an increase in the debt service budget of $1.6 million. The general fund budget proposed for fiscal 24 totals $1.819 billion, which is an increase of $166.3 million. The general fund budgets for constitutional officers, <coughs> including the Broward Sheriff's Office, property appraiser, supervisor of elections, and clerk of courts, increased by $73.1 million. Tax increment payments for municipal redevelopment continue to grow due to an increase in the tax rolls which is an increase of $8 million compared to fiscal year 23. Other changes for the coming year are, in, are an additional $4 million for affordable housing, an increase in mental health for jail diversion of $1 million, an increase in reserves by $4.2 million for future funding for county facilities, an increase in reserves by $1 million for emergency and preparedness, and a million dollar increase in the reserve for ad valorem tax revenues to safeguard against economic trends. To support the general fund, the certified property tax roll increases 11.02% when compared to the roll used for the adopted fiscal year 23 budget. However, we do not anticipate this level of growth to continue. The fiscal year 24 total millage rate remains the same as fiscal year 23 with a slight decline in debt service millage and a corresponding increase dedicated for general capital projects. This shifting within the same total rate will help the county maintain the property tax-supported capital program. With over $2.9 billion in tax-supported assets, it is essential we ensure that our investments are adequately maintained in the future. More importantly, we look to these capital projects to be major jobs stimuli, particularly with the board's focus on supporting local businesses which hire local residents. It should be noted that county taxes make up less than one quarter of the overall property tax bill. The increase in assessed value for homestead property owners is capped at 3% for fiscal year 24 and generally homestead taxpayers will experience a slight increase in county taxes. For other properties, the change in the assessed value of each property will determine how much the property taxes will change. This is the final public, public hearing to adopt county millage rates and budgets. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and Commissioners. Very good. Uh, again, good evening to the public. I know we have some public speakers that are signed up to speak. So, Mr. Zanker, good evening to you. 
Uh, each speaker Good evening. Will, will have two minutes. I'll ask you to call the names and have them come forward, okay? Okay, so first we have uh, Jeff Hittleman, and uh, second, uh, Geraldine M. DeBianchi. There are 10 pub uh, public speakers. Thank you. There are two minutes, correct. There are 10. Good, good evening, sir. Good evening. My name is Jeff Hittleman, and I'm a lawyer with Coast to Coast Legal Aid in the Senior Citizen Law Project. I handle eviction cases, representing and defending seniors who are on the brink of homelessness <coughs> facing eviction. Coast to Coast, we've developed a model to keep seniors in their homes and prevent them from being evicted. We provide seniors in need with rent assistance money, a dedicated lawyer to represent them through the process, and wraparound services through a case manager. And through this model we've developed, we've prevented over 500 seniors from becoming homeless in the last five years. We've done it with just a few lawyers and a modest financial assistance budget. We don't receive any funding from the county. Uh, when we talk about legal aid in Broward, there are two legal aid programs, two separate entities, Coast to Coast Legal Aid, us, and Legal Aid Service of Broward. We're separate, we're two different law firms, and you know, funding that goes to one doesn't go to the other. And the reality is our resources are limited. We just don't have the resources to help everyone in need. We get a lot of calls every day. My cell phone was going off as I was walking in here. And we just don't have the resources to help everyone that we want to help. I believe this commission is keenly aware of, of the challenges that tenants and seniors in Broward face. This is the commission that passed the Tenants' Bill of Rights you know, before it was preempted and created the Rent Assistance Program. So I, I know it might be a long night, but I thank you for your time and consideration. And thank you again for coming tonight as well, sir. Thank you. Next speaker. Geraldine De Bianchi, followed by Ted Victor. Good evening, ma'am. Good evening. I'm Geraldine De Bianchi. I'm the Mobile Justice Squad Attorney at Coast to Coast Legal Aid. Like Jeff, I handle cases in the housing area, which predominantly deal with evictions and we're here today to make sure we make the distinction so that the entire commission is aware that we are two separate organizations from legal aid and who we are coast to coast legal aid. We do not receive funding from the commission and we've, um, we've discussed this before with our organization and we have a great plan in place as Jeff just pointed out we're just not within the funding that we need to build the plan and to do more to help with the crisis that our community has. What I do is I go out in the community and I see our seniors. We've assisted over 300 seniors in the three years that we've been on the road and we know that we can continue to do so with a broader plan with broader funding. Um, eviction is a crisis in our community, as you all know. Um, it's important to us to get the point across to you so that we could work together in building 
the system that we have and the services that we have so we could help our clients and our citizens, our community members, and with your help, we hope to continue doing what we're doing and building this program so that we could keep seniors in their homes and not just seniors, but um, we would be able to help anybody over the age of 18, any household. So we thank you for your time again tonight, and we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you. And thank you also for their proposal, the $2.6 million proposal with the $500,000 uh, rental assistance dollars. So thank you for that document and the cost. Oh, you're very okay. welcome. Thank you thank for you. reviewing it. Thank you, Mr. Yes. Mayor. Appreciate it. Yes. We're going to we're going to take. Okay. You want to go? Go ahead. We're going to do public, and then we'll come back. And you want to ask a question? Okay. Thank you. Uh, Ted Victor, followed by Bertisha Combs. Good evening, esteemed dais of Broward County. I am Ted Victor. I reside at 8471 Southwest 5th Street in Pembroke Pines, Florida, in the infamous community of Heron Pond. I'm here to state on the record that I do not want to be homeless. My wife and my children, we do not want to be homeless. The previous speaker spoke about evictions. I'm here to speak about evacuations. The city of Pembroke Pines has ordered many members of my community to leave because they're concerned about the safety of the buildings the infrastructures have dilapidated over the years and as a result they're asking us to leave to evacuate of course everyone's afraid of the surfside replay ladies and gentlemen i'm asking you even though i'm clearly aware that these associations these hoas are independent entities for you to enforce oversight over the hoas this hocus-pocus, laissez-faire, uh, mafia-type arrangements that these HOAs have, some of them, I should say, should stop. We voted you into office. These wonderful seats and these wonderful plaques have your names on them. However, they belong to the people. We voted for you. You are our voice. You have access to the powers that be in Tallahassee who, who can oversight or oversee these HOAs. I've been paying my association fees for 17 years, services were not rendered in the real world. You get your money back. However, I'm going to be removed from my home for an unspecified period of time. Pardon me for not having a million dollars in the bank for this unforeseen eventuality. This is wrong. It's evil. It's vicious. This system is squeezing the lower class and the working class so much that this is going to be an unsustainable model. Again, I'm asking you for oversight over these HOAs because if they're not doing their job, we should not have to pay them. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And obviously, that's a concern to this commission, too. Unfortunately, we don't control the HOAs, but I can tell you that the state of Florida, the legislative body, uh, we want to encourage you to contact your state legislator as well as your senator as well to obviously to raise your concerns to them, too. Mayor. Thank you. Mayor, can you ask him to stay here? Because I want to well, ask him. I don't want to. What I want to do is I want to get through the public comment. Then we're going to come back and have commission discussion. So just just hang tight if you would, sir. Okay. Thank you. Mr. Next Combs. speaker, Bertisha Combs, followed by Jessica Santos. Good evening, commission. My name is Bertisha Combs. I've, I've met you all before. I'm regional director for Florida Rising. I'm actually here today um, not to speak for Florida Rising, but to speak on behalf of uh, Coast to Coast Legal 
legal aid. Uh, you heard Jeff and Geraldine speak earlier today, so I just wanted to clarify something. So the $2.6.7 million allocation we were asking for for the right to counsel, it's not for us, it's for CCLA. And the reason why we're speaking on behalf of them is because we do advocacy not only for the community, but for our community partners as well. So they are not legally allowed to ask you for money, so that's why we partner with them to be their voices in the space of them not being able to ask you. As you heard them say earlier today, they do not get funding from the county at this time, but they do have an infrastructure to where they can provide services for people outside of the seniors. Everybody 18 and up that may be facing an eviction in Broward County, they will be able to create a program with this funding allotment to be able to assist more people and keep more families housed. Again, as they stated before, Coast to Coast Legal Aid is a separate entity from legal aid services and you all do provide money for legal aid services, which we appreciate and we support that as well. However, the majority of that money does not go to help tenants stay in their houses. Legal Aid has several different programs from immigration to domestic violence, which they provide these services and they split the funding between those programs. So although we love like that you're giving money to Legal Aid, we also like to see uh, Coast to Coast Legal Aid get some funding too, so that they can establish this right to counsel program and help keep more people housed. Thank you very much. Thank you, ma'am. Next speaker, Jessica Santos, followed by Michael Rayner. Good evening, Ms. Santos, how are you? Hello, good afternoon. My name is Jessica Santos. I've been a Broward County public school teacher for 16 years. <clears throat> I have a bachelor's and a master's degree. However, I can no longer afford to live in Broward County. Um, I have made the decision with my little family, family discussion, family meeting. On October 1st, I will be moving into a travel trailer. I am asking Broward County to create affordable housing for people like me that serve this community, community I teach your children, I teach the children of this community. I'm also asking for RV lots, maybe designated for teachers and public servants who work and live in this county, but we cannot afford to live here anymore. The last eight to 10 months, I worked full-time as a teacher, working two to three jobs, juggling, um, I am a cancer survivor. In 2018, I battled synovial sarcoma. Um, I know what it's like to suffer. So for me to have to live in a trailer, I adapt. Um, eight to 10 months work juggling two to three jobs means me sitting in front of a computer after I get home from work and my children coming to me and saying, mom, I'm bored, can you spend time with me? Um, are you gonna be done yet? But Many times I have to tell my ch children, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't right now, I have to finish this job, or I have to leave because I gotta go tutor. Um, I am asking you to help us. We're at this point, it's 2023, I'm a teacher. Uh, 16 years, my salary is $55,000, that's where I'm getting to, I don't know where I'm gonna be at retirement, maybe 59. I thank the people of Broward County for voting for that tax referendum. If it just finish up, go, you can finish up. You can finish up, ma'am. Go ahead. I want to thank the people of Broward County for voting for the tax referendum. Um, that's an additional for me that I've been a teacher for 16 years about an additional $450 um, 
every two weeks. Because of that, I paid my rent on time. I have groceries. I have no money to save for my kids. I have nothing. The only thing I own right now, because a friend bought it for me, but I have to pay him back, um, is a travel trailer. In order for me to access my FRS, I am contemplating severing my ties with Bar County Schools because according to FRS, for me to access those funds, okay. um, I, I cannot work for Bar County. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mr. Rayner? Michael Rayner followed by Burbeth Foster. Uh, Good evening, Michael Rayner, Chair of the Broward County Human Rights Board, um, and freshly vaccinated with the newest uh, COVID booster. Um, proud that it's out. Um, I wanted to just touch base on a, a few things tonight. Um, I'm going to first touch on the, uh, the capital budget. Um, one of the concerns the Human Rights Board had at our meeting on August 28th is, um, as you're aware, uh, House Bill uh, 1521 um, now actually basically bans transgender individuals from using public restrooms in public buildings um, for the most part essentially um, if somebody complains and it doesn't present now a safe accessible place for our transgender residents to access a restroom especially in a county where we celebrate everybody or everyone under the sun um, you know, so certainly the uh, county administrator and I have had discussions, and I believe that in 2027, they look to make sure that um, the libraries and other buildings that are county-owned, at least, and operated um, will have a unisex restroom so that a transgender individual would have safe access to a restroom. But right now, it's even worse than when you see the movie in Hidden Figures where a woman has to run to another building to the bathroom. There's no one to run to, except maybe to find a jar and go behind a bush to do it safely, but you could still get arrested. Um, so I think that it's a goal that we need to work and speed up the timeline, and I appreciate the county administrator for having that in the capital budget, and she could probably explain some of the um, obstacles that she's having to deal with with some of the dated buildings. Um, in terms of staffing, you know, the Human Rights Board is, is pleased that there's been no changes in staffing in this year's budget. We just ask that in the event there's any kind of crazy downturn in the economy, um, that the uh, human rights section is held harmless from any type of um, hiring freezes, pseudo hiring freezes, reductions, or anything if there's any vacancies. Um, you know, the section is just starting to hire. We still have two vacant positions that were added at the beginning of last budget cycle. Um, you know, the hiring process is a very difficult thing for many to recruit. So we need to just make sure that that's protected in the event of anything. Um, you know, I am struggling a little when it comes to the organizational chart. What you have in front of you, I circled, where you'll see goals and programmatic details. Um, you know, the human rights section was reorganized and moved under HAAS, which is Housing Opportunities, Solutions, and Services. It's the homeless program. And where I struggle is that program, by the way, does tremendous work at addressing the incredible homeless need that we have here. And I've been having conversations with the county administrator and with human services, but I feel that it's overshadowed by the work of homelessness, which is constantly in crisis. And unfortunately, some of the message isn't getting out there. And if I could finish, Just when you read the goals, you don't even see the message about human rights, the protections in housing, the protections in employment, 
or public accommodation. So we're going to be trying to do a reset um, at our October meeting with the Human Services Director to try to look at things. But I still do have some concerns with where it's housed. I don't think that was necessarily the best mix. Um, and so hopefully if we could start to begin to identify areas that are changed, we could better prioritize the needs to make sure that we're getting the information about the protections we offer here in Broward County. Thank you, Mr. Rayner. And I look forward to the continued dialogue that I'm having with staff. I'm very Thank glad you. that that's seen us happening. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, Birbeth Foster, followed by Lydia Guman. Good evening, Good afternoon, Commissioners. <clears throat> My name is Birbeth Foster. I am an attorney with Community Justice Project. And again, we are here asking for an allocation from the general funding budget for a tenant right to counsel. I would like to address one of the concerns that I heard from the dais at the last public hearing, which was that we are here at the end of the budget cycle requesting this allocation. I want to make the record very clear that our organizations did reach out to every single office um, of every commissioner that sits on this dais. Some of you were kind enough to give us your time, listen to our presentation, and for that reason, some of you are far more informed than others about the benefits of this program and what this program offers to the community. Um, we watched and we listened to most of the budget hearings. We heard that the housing crisis is a priority for the commission. We hear homeowners and tenants, teachers, hospitality workers, union workers come here um, and express that they need help. Tenant right to counsel is a lifeline for many members in this community. So we wanna be clear that if the timing of this request is the only reason that the commission, some of the commissioners here, will not vote for this budget allocation, we would ask that in addition to your not accepting um, the amendment to the current budget, that you consider that you have the power to change the process. You have the power to create a process where community members can come in during budget workshops, come in at an earlier point during the budget season to talk about innovative programs like tenant right to counsel so you can hear about it um, at the beginning, in the middle, and not at the 11th hour of the budget process. So we would ask that you consider to consider reworking the way that the commission engages with the community during the public, um, during the budget process, but we would still ask that you consider this allocation as it is vital to the members of the community. Thank you. Thank you so much. Next speaker, Lydia Guman, followed by Anastasia Robinson. Your name is Guman. Hi, good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Lydia Guman, and I'm also here with the Community Justice Project to echo the calls for a tenant right to counsel pilot program. During the last budget hearing, Commissioner Bogan suggested that we need to talk about more significant cuts that will truly help voters. That is why the community is demanding a decreased budget from two areas that won't suffer from relatively nominal cuts, and that will produce the significant cuts Commissioner Bogan said the community needs. The community demands a reallocation from capital projects or the sheriff's budget for a tenant right to counsel pilot program. First, let's look at the sheriff's budget. Multiple commissioners throughout the budget season have said that the budget for BSO is well over half of the county's budget. The reasoning given for this is twofold. One, people from the law enforcement community have asked for it, and two, the commissioners don't have a problem with this ask because they believe in public safety. 
However, there are a multitude of respectable and verified studies proving that exorbitant amounts of public funding for police does not provide public safety, often decreases public safety, and is a waste of taxpayer dollars. Additionally, it is concerning um, that commissioners are willing to give more money to BSO when members of law enforcement communities ask, but are not equally responsive to community members saying we need millions more in mental health services, homeless prevention, and legal services. These programs are recommended to potentially participate in a bidding process and compete with each other for the scraps that are left over after BSO receives over half of the county's billion dollar general fund budget. With capital projects, at the last budget hearing, Commissioner Udine stated, quote, we have X number of hundreds of million of dollars for buildings we want to redo. That maybe we need to, maybe we don't need to. Maybe we can buy these buildings at a lesser price. Um, I see that I have 15 seconds, Go so ahead. I will skip Continu to Go the... Ahead. Continue Ms. Um, Sapero stated um, in the last budget hearing that budget priorities listed by the commissioners were things such as, quote, improvements to parks and recreation headquarters buildings and improved fleet of cars for county government employees. Are these the things that are so much more important than things like stable housing and mental health services that they can't even take a nominal cut in the budget? To end, I want to acknowledge that you all work very hard and local elected officials are limited in their powers by Florida statute 166.241. However, despite these limits, under this statute, the commission has the power to reallocate up to 32 million from BSO's $680 million budget to other community resource programs without triggering a challenge from the state. And so I would like Thank to you. end with a clear and achievable ask. I ask that the county commission reallocate $2.7 million from either the general capital projects fund or BSO's budget for Thank the you. Thank you, Ms. Goodman. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Our next speaker is Anastasia Robinson, followed by Mona Lisa Weber. Ms. Robinson, good evening. Hi, Mayor Fisher. Um, I just want to point out, um, someone got three minutes, I only get two. Can I get an extra minute? Anyway, um, <laughs> every commissioner in this budget work, every commissioner in the budget workshop expressed the county housing crisis to be a major prior, uh, county priority. A tenant right to counsel is one strategy that directly addresses the short term needs for working class residents. I would therefore ask that the commission to for the commission to reallocate 2.7 million from the general capitals project fund to a tenant bill of right council program through coast to coast legal aid. Some of the items included in the five year capital project is the 12.1 million construction 500 garage um, judicial complex, 52 million program for the design of the government center, and 15 million for innovations and technologies enhancements throughout the county. And although these are great projects, um, what would be great is for the commission to reallocate just 2.7 million. I mean, you could take a little bit from each of them, a little bit from somewhere else, you know what I mean? And make it add all up and um, process that to uh, coast to coast. Again, we do thank you guys for the work that you do. We do understand that you only have a certain amount of power, but within your power, we do hope that you guys could find it um, in, out of you know any other budget to help the residents of Broward County remain residents of Broward County because we also understand that you do not want to have everyone um, go somewhere else. You want them to stay here. 
I also want to say one more thing. I have a friend personally. Um, her husband works for BSO. Um, they are family with four, two kids now, and they moved to Palm Beach. They still work, he still works for BSO, so those are also tax dollars that are being removed from Broward County. So that's something to think about as well. Thank you, Ms. Robinson. Next speaker, Mona Lisa Weber. Tim, but this is number 10. Great rising commissioners. Thank you Ms. so Weber, much for all evening. the work. Hi, how are you? Good. Good to see you. Um, my name is Mona Lisa Weber. Hi, Mr. Fur. So, uh, <laughs> God, I, I know a lot of y'all actually. So uh, I, I had like this whole big speech. Um, so I do a lot of groundwork in the community and I rep Broward County. I rep Broward County online. I'm like a Broward County fan, I'm a resident. Like everywhere I go is the 954 or the 754, right? But it's very embarrassing to see homeless working class people in the Walmart parking lots, single mothers with their children, right? Like we're getting to a point where like Broward County is not gonna be like a good place to rep. Um, I support the tenant right to counsel, that's why I'm here. Uh, one thing I wanna say, cause I could talk a lot is I do understand that all of you have a job to do, right? And you have an obligation to your job and to the constituents. But I also want to say that we have uh, a higher obligation to the Most High. And we're also caretakers of the earth. So in being caretakers of the earth, we all have a responsibility to take care of everyone. So I'm going to leave it right there. Um, just really think about the decisions that are being made, the future generations and like the actual state of our people. Um, there's a lot of homelessness. I get a lot of calls. We've helped a lot of people um, and we do what we can, but we definitely need the help of the county that we reside in. I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. And I'm a big rep on the voting stuff. So, you know, I just got to make sure all these names are, yeah. Thank yeah, you. have an amazing evening. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Ms. Weber. Thank you so much. Mr. Zanker, I believe that concludes our public. There uh, are no more speakers signed up to speak very on Very good. So we're going to move on to obviously commission discussion. I have first Commissioner Rogers because she wanted to speak earlier, followed by Commissioner Bogan. Then we're just going to do a round robin starting at that point. But Commissioner Rogers, Commissioner Bogan did jump in ahead of time. Thank you, Mayor. And um, yes, I'm first. And I truly want to advocate once again for anything that we can do to help to keep our residents in their homes. I've been asking everyone to come to this budget hearing to just, con just of course, <laughs> I own it, <laughs> okay? And, I'm, and I did say that it does not stop with a no. It, if you believe in something, you have to continue to advocate for that something. And I don't know if we fully understand the magnitude of waking up with seeing someone on your driveway sleeping waiting, and I get up at six o'clock and I walk. So that is what I'm seeing in the neighborhood. I heard there was a person in Coral Springs and I said, okay, at least other communities are feeling what we're feeling here in my district. And I'm asking us whatever we can do to provide funding for the tenants' rights to counsel. That will also give them a voice. I see, um, someone that I've worked with in this community being evacuated, as he so choose to mention, from his home. And then we have those that are being evicted. 
and legal aid alone cannot handle the number of persons that we might want to refer to them. So if this group, Coast to Coast, is telling us they're working on a pilot program that will help our seniors who are on fixed income and those who are not seniors but find themselves in these difficult um, position, no cause of their own because they're doing what they need to do and they're caught in this situation. And I know we'll say it's a Tallahassee issue. It is a broad county issue when your revenues decrease because the property values diminish, okay? It will be a Broward County issue then, but then it will be too late because someone would have lost their homes. Persons would have lost their homes. And we need not to let 2008 happen here in Broward County. Again, when you lose your home and it's sold to someone for less than you owe and no one considered the fact that you could have negotiated with the bank, we need to do something, colleagues. We need to help. I'm counting on my colleague who used to write for the Sun Sentinel and that condo. <laughs> yes, you. <laughs> I tracked him. I followed him. We had discussions. I remember he doesn't because I... And I love him. <laughs> he was a strong advocate. He answered all of our questions. But it's serious, colleagues. We need to take another look at the number. I think I heard 400 units. I was going to ask staff to define what affordable housing means to you, because I don't see it reflected here. I recall when we, I came on board, there was, it was the University of FIU, right? Was it FIU we contracted with to do a study? And I was concerned that that report was going to stay on the shelf and nothing being done. I'm asking, can you tell me, now that we have had that report and we have looked at it, what in this budget address anything that the crisis that we're feeling today, right now, when you solicited that report, when you requested for that study to be done, we did not have the crisis the issue that is going to be a crisis right now in our county. How does this budget reflect any changes that will help what we are addressing today? Affordability? Ms. Sapiro, I'm going to ask you to answer that question, okay, once, you, once uh, Commissioner Rogers finished. Okay? Affordability here in Broward County, an attorney to help you and guide you through this process is critical to this discussion. And 400 units, uh, how many million? Four million, how many units? That does that reflect? But the most important question for me, Madam Administrator, in that report, what is in this budget that reflects or anything that we can correct in that report that was critical? Go ahead, Ms. Spiro. Mr. Mayor, thank you. And, and so, uh, Commissioner Rogers, um, so as you um, have seen, we have a $20 million allocation for affordable housing, and that is directly to, to address um, the, the most critical needs um, for the community. We're trying to um, partner with nonprofits, with any private sector uh, folks, to create more units that are affordable. And the number that, um, that you're using is, is the number I shared um, last um, budget public hearing, and that was based loosely on a $50,000 
uh, subsidy per unit. So when you divide the, the 20 million, that's how you get the 400 units. Um, so that is just the county's general fund portion of that. Obviously, um, there are other municipalities that are also doing their share uh, or parts of um, uh, addressing that. But to address the question specifically with that, with that um, FIU study, um, it is literally looking at um, how we could do land use differently um, to increase density in certain areas. So it's not all strictly budgetary issues that would address the needs in that in that uh, report, but also the, the additional um, increase in in, in uh, affordable um, housing dollars is another component. Um, and, and then we also have a lot of human services um, um, allocations that are to address um, homelessness um, and prevention of homelessness so that we keep people in their homes. Um, we have a significant amount, and I can get you some specific um, dollars um, in the human services budget and under the community partnership um, um, division where we're giving um, assistance to individuals to stay in their homes um, with uh, light uh, help with their utilities and, and different things like that. So, so they're tangentially addressing some of those in addition to the 20 million uh, for, uh, for the affordable housing. 39.5 million. Okay. Well, that was just right. Well, that right. was just one component. Yeah, that's correct, uh, Commissioner Udine. But I was, I was also just looking at out. some of the other areas in the budget. Okay, okay. The Commissioner, I'll just finish. Closing out, Mr. Mayor. All right, I'm taking you back to what we can do right now to help those that are losing their homes. What in this budget will help that situation? So um, you have heard that the county supports Legal Aid of Broward. It is a different organization, but they all, but Legal Aid of Broward, um, there's about 1.2 million um, in their core um, budget that we support um, annually. And some of that is also for uh, representation for housing issues as well. So the commission does have that on a recurring basis in the core. And then there's another uh, 225,000 for some other additional issues with legal aid of Broward. It's a different organization, but it is um, towards that issue. Okay, thank you, Mr. Mayor. And I just want to speak to my colleagues. We have a choice. We have a decision that we can make. We can provide directions to our staff. Yes, because we might see it differently. And I'm just asking us to look at the crisis as it is right now. You have people being, because no cause of their home, have to vacate their homes. And in addition to continuing the mortgage payment, they have to find another dollar to support rental, of some place while their property is being repaired. That is a different crisis than we have had before and it's happening now more than ever because we have the 30-year inspection, the 40-year inspection and the 50-year inspection and all of that and mismanagement of boards, condo association, not doing the right thing by our members or unit owners. What can we do? I know we can tell our housing finance authority that they need to engage in identifying some of the solutions, work with the university, but it seems it must come from this body. If not, no one wants to move. And if we're telling the public 
that housing crisis is important to us, then I think we have to see some of those actions that will tell the public that we truly care. We say we do care, but what are we doing differently that demonstrate that we do care? And that is where I don't feel it, I don't see it, and that's what I'm hearing in our communities, that we don't care because we have not done anything different to address that problem. I'm sure some of our colleagues will, will speak to that as they, as they come out of their turn. Commissioner Bogan. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, I'd like to talk about two issues. Let's first deal with Commissioner Rogers and what she just dealt with. Commissioner Rogers, I was, you know, 20 years ago writing, uh, you must were you referring to a condo law column for the Sun Sentinel for 20 years, and I did advocate uh, on behalf of owners' rights and stuff, but as an elected official, I think we have a duty to everyone. And those are people who own apartments to people who live in apartments, people who own homes to people that live in homes, people who own versus people who rent. And while I have the biggest bleeding heart that anyone could have, like you do, um, I'm conflicted because while I, I certainly want to help people, but then what about the person who owns that's getting rent, that's supposed to get rent, that has to pay a mortgage, and you're, we're going to fight to keep that person in there who can't afford it anymore. And what happens to the owner of that building or that unit or that home or that apartment who's invested their hard-earning money that they saved up and for their future? What happens to them when you're saying, hey, too bad, we need to help this person stay in there. Too bad you're not going to get paid for, for your investment. It's, it's, I mean, so to say people need help, yes, you're absolutely right. People need help but onto who's back, and, and that's my confliction. And I don't see, you know, if let's say, I'm ma making this up, Tim's a landlord and, and I'm renting and I can't afford it anymore. Okay, he's really a landlord. And so if someone's renting in his place, you know, he worked hard to be able to buy whatever, it's a home, a unit, apartment, a condo, apartment building, and, and I just, you know, so we're gonna make him suffer for his investment because the person who went in there lost their job or doesn't have any money or can't pay. It's, it's a horrible situation. But I think before we, you know, like that gentleman up there, he's an attorney. I'm sorry, I forgot your name. You said you've done 500 evictions. If I, you've saved 500 people, you know, I can't get into it now, but I really was curious, like, so does that mean these, most of these 500 people owed money, you know, banks? I mean, banks have their own attorneys, you know, so, so do we screw the bank? Do we screw the landlord? Do we screw the, the homeowner? Do we screw the bill? It's just, I, I think you have to come to terms with who are we hurting when we're helping. And, and that's and, why and, we need to discuss it. Yeah, no, I agree. But, but that's a major discussion. And it's a major time. And now we're at a budget hearing. So, so while well, I'm all for helping people, I think, you know, I've always been, as you mentioned earlier, I, I've always, uh, but as an elected official, you know, I think we've got a balance, and I can't sit and look at a landlord and say, you know what, you should suffer and not get any rent and not get anything because this person's hurting. Not you should hurt. I, it just doesn't make sense to me, and it doesn't. I have it doesn't resonate yet. So I'd love to we'll be able to talk to you about it. You know, oh, we can't talk about it, but yeah. the Sunshine Law doesn't let us talk about it. But uh, maybe sometime in the future. That's number one. Number two. Uh, this gentleman right here, I'm sorry, sir, I, I don't know your name. Victor, Victor. Mr. Victor. Mr. Victor. Ted Victor. Um, I agree with most of everything you're talking about, 
and actually one of the meetings, two meetings ago, I was thinking about how the county can come up with money to help people, but it just doesn't make sense because it'd be too much money, we don't have that. And the problem is not us. You, you, you mentioned the words enforce oversight of HOAs. I, we have no authority to enforce oversight of HOAs, zero. That's all the state. Everything comes from your state legislature. I mean, you said we have access to Tallahassee. I mean, we could sit there and try it. It's a majority of Republican state legislature, you know, who doesn't really, I don't think really listens to us and what we want. And so th that bill that passed because of suicide, killing all the condos. I, I, my law firm represents many condominium associations and the people are getting killed with assessments, <clears throat> insurance, um, you know, property values going up. So we get everything going up and we as a commission are powerless, powerless. I can't do, I can't tell an HOA to do anything. I can't tell a condo to do anything to help you. I have no authority. Yeah. What, what, wait a second. We, get, Mr. Victor, please. Mr. Victor, please. No, it's okay. I, like, I'm I can have Mr. Victor, but you need to come to the podium so we can hear you on the, uh, on the microphone. So it's for the record, okay? You had a question. Again, respectfully, respectfully. You, you said you vote for us. Why, why, why vote for you if you have no authority to help us or speak to the people who make well, the decisions? Well, you're talking about one issue, and that's oversight of HOAs. There's a lot of other issues we can help with, whether it be homelessness or affordable housing and other issues which we're putting up. There's a million issues that we can deal with, but if you say our HOA is out of control, they're doing something, most of the, a lot of these HOAs that didn't have reserves in their budgets need somebody to take legal action against the board in the civil action. Well, well as, a, as a veteran educator, let me just make sure I understand what you're saying. This is just going to stay as is. This is going to unless, stay. This problem with the HOAs, they're going to just kind of just do whatever they want to do and say as is, and no one's going to try to oversee yeah. them. Unless someone here wants to correct me, I, all I could say is that unless the state legislature changes chapter 718 or 720, which governs condos or homeowner associations, unless the state legislature, your state representative or your state senator, we all have different duties. When you say about electing, your state representative has different duties, your state senator, your city commissioner has different duties, your county commissioner has different duties. Commissioner Bakken, respectfully in my presentation, I said that. However, you have the ability to pick up the phone and say something to them. I'm a teacher, they won't sir, listen sir, to Sir, I've talked to our state senator, our state representative, and I, I, you know, I, I think that we, we have, we have, let me, let me roll back, has, let me roll, let me roll back. Has, let me just finish. Our county has lobbyists even that try to lobby and do these things. So okay. we do pick up the phone. Respectfully, we need to do more. We need to do more because this cannot stay as Folks, hundreds of people are being kicked out. Hundreds of people are being kicked out of Heron Pond and yeah. we did everything we were supposed to do. These risks have never been handcuffed because when I was growing up, I was more afraid of my parents than the police. Someone has got to do something. I spoke to a friend of mine yesterday. She lives in a wonderful six-bedroom house in the community. She pays $500 a year. I'm paying $550 a month. Someone has got to oversee them. Come and visit me. The building are, are literally falling apart. I'm going to email them to you. Someone has got to Sir, see them. Sir, there's a state agency called the Department of Business Professional Regulation, the DBPR. Besides the DBPR. Okay, in the we're going to... Yes. Pardon me? Commissioner Bogan, yes. We're going to... Mr. Victor, what Commissioner Bogan is saying is that our state legislative body is the ones that controls our HOAs, homeowner associations, and so we want to encourage you wherever you live, and we can get that information to you if you don't have it, 
your representative of the state house representative and of course your senator we want to impress upon you to obviously contact them as well we as a body have priorities that we do every year before they go into session and this is obviously one of them as well so we have lobbyists that, that lobby for us at Broward County to help you but ultimately they make that final decision this board does not make that final decision we can only encourage we can only that. talk and that's why we want to make sure that you get to your folks at the state level too so you can talk to them as well this is one presentation among many I'm going to go as far as I can because this Perfect. is an unsustainable model less homeowners is less revenue for you Thank yes, you. sir. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Victor, so much. Mr. Bogan, are you finished? I am. Okay, very good. I'm going to go to Senator Geller. Thank you. Um, come this way. I had prepared some remarks, most of which I'm not going to make because they were designed for the large number of people that were asking us to reduce our tax burden, and none of them were here tonight, so <laughs> I can skip that. Um, I would like to begin by complimenting again all of the speakers tonight. I mean, Everybody that spoke tonight, I thought, spoke from the heart and well, sometimes incorrectly, but uh, it was a po polite, dignified speaking, which is persuasive to us. Um, let me say a couple of things and one or two just on the budget. Uh, I'd like to thank county administration uh, for pointing out the uh, providing these two sheets for us. One is the one that I've asked for every year since I've been on the commission, which shows our general revenue budget but before and after the Great Recession. And we have never caught up when adjusted for inflation and population growth. We have never caught up since the Great Recession. Our, our tax dollars are down. And the reason for that is when you look at Save Our Homes, if a budget, if you're paying taxes on a home that's 400,000 and then it, uh, there's a recession that goes down to 150,000 and then three years later it's back at 450, it's gone up. When it went down to 150, that reset all of the numbers for if it's homestead for save our home so it can only go up by 3%. So we've never caught back up. And I, again, appreciate this document, the pie chart, which shows what I've been saying to people who came in, because they look, the county sends your tax bill, so they all assume that it's county taxes, when in fact uh, the school board takes more of the taxes than we do, cities take more of the taxes than we do. Um, barely. The school board's around 32 percent. Cities are a little over 25. We're between 24 and 25. So we're roughly, we're a little bit under the city. So we're less than a quarter of the total tax bill that you received. I have to comment on some of the remarks that, I, that have been made tonight. First, uh, sir, in reference to the issue on the legislature, you're saying we can talk to them. Well, we do talk to our local legislators, but it is just a political fact of life. We're Democrats. The state is dominated by Republicans. I've spoken with the Republican leadership. They don't want to hear anything we have to say, basically. Um, and we can talk. We've hired lobbyists, some of whom are Republican lobbyists, hoping that we can 
persuade people and we get you know a crumb here and a crumb there but they're just not interested in in listening to what we have to say because philosophically they disagree with us on a lot of issues um i'd like one quick question for miss Sapero. miss Sapero, my understanding that at least this used to be the case that broward county committed more of our gr dollars to affordable housing. I'm not talking about the doc stamps that Dade uses that we've asked for and can't get, but of GR. Is Broward County still the county in the state that gives more GR dollars than any other county, or have we fallen to second place? No, we're Ms. still. Ms. Sapir, before you, no. just for the public, explain what GR is, yes. so it's for the understand. So general revenue, general, general fund. Well, at the state I'll, level, it's referred to, to as general sure. revenue. Right. It's general fund here at the county. Right. Right. The public doesn't know those, so I want to make sure, sure they yeah. know. But So we have about $450 million that the county spends on county agencies. That's out of, at least that's according to well. The, the sheet that, no, the one that uh, showed that we never caught up from the Great Recession, uh, this one. Uh, it says, I'm sorry, that was 60. BSO. According to this, county commission agencies, oh, that was, I'm sorry. That was the, that was the wrong number. Yeah. 774 million. Um, so we're, we have about 774 million uh, that we spend on county agencies. But directly from that, Senator, just to correct you, and maybe it's, we've maybe put this a little bit confusing, but the FY24 final, the second oh, yeah. column, is actually the number of right. the 24 budget. I'm sorry. That so we were inflating those on those outer columns right. to show what it would be if the it show, was for CPI the loss, and, and I should have known that since I designed the chart. That's right. Uh, but all right, so 627.8, that's our final that's number. Correct. That's correct. Of that, directly we're giving, I believe, $30 million you said directly towards affordable housing? 20. 20 million. In addition to that, you point out a lot of other numbers that we're doing for affordability to avoid homelessness, things of that nature. Commissioner Udine pointed out earlier today, we passed a $35 million that some of that was going toward. I'm sorry, 39. It, it, it was for sense. human services, um, uh, actual services to individuals right. and, and also neglected to um, share the uh, family success, which we also help with um, individuals first, last, and security um, to prevent them from becoming homeless and to help people stay in their homes. Okay. Um, and there are a number of variety of services within that division as well. The point that I'm trying to make is when people say Broward needs to care about affordability, affordable housing, we do, we're giving more than any other county in the state, substantially more than any other county in the state. We're one of very few that actually give GR dollars um, directly on affordable housing. The problem is the need is right. so massive. We could devote our entire 627.8 million and it would barely make a dent so we're doing what we can. We're doing more than any other county is doing. It's just, what is that old line? Uh, God must love poor people. He made so many of them. The problem, I, I could use that line on affordability. Broward is unique in our, in our cost of housing. 
And our cost of housing is high for two reasons. Number one, wages are relatively low, and that's how you calculate the affordability. You look at what percentage of the wages it costs, and South Florida and Central Florida are typically the worst in the nation. And our bigger problem is we have no more room to build on, and therefore the cost of land is going up dramatically. If you're in Cleveland, if you're any place that has sufficient water, and downtown housing gets too expensive, you just build a mile further out in the suburbs. Well, Broward, if you build any further east or west, you get your feet wet. North and south are fully developed. There's only one place left to build that's up, and that's increasing density, and a lot of people don't like that either. But it, that's what we're, one of the things uh, the county administrator said we're working on a lot of things. We're working on density. We're working on transit-oriented development. We're working on direct payments, but everything we're doing is not enough, and we recognize, but it's all we can do at our with our budget. Um, by the way, uh, one of the speakers commented on uh, Florida that we should take money from BSO in reference to Florida Statute 166.241. One of the problems is I have a computer right here and I looked up Florida Statute 166.241 and that only applies, that's not me, um, that only applies to municipalities, does not apply to the county sheriff. The way that we don't fund the municipal police chief, we only fund BSO, BSO Broward Sheriff's Office. It's true that since we have, uh, over the last 20, 25 years, that portion of our budget that goes to BSO has gone up in both raw numbers and as a percentage of our budget. You look back 20, 25 years, it was about 49%. Currently, it's about 54% of our total budget. So. Yeah, we have spent more, and you know, I personally happen to think that one of the most important duties of government is to protect its citizens. And I've heard a lot of people in all sections of the county say that they want uh, more police. Again, remember, we have nothing to do with police, only with BSO. Uh, but we, we have to stop that ever-increasing increase while still making sure that they're adequately funded. It's, it, as I've said before, it's a crime that the biggest source of mental health in Broward County is the Broward County jail system. But if we don't give the sheriff what he wants, unlike the suggestion of 166241, he simply can go to the governor and cabinet who don't like Broward County, and they will instruct, order Broward County to give him whatever the four Republicans on the governor and cabinet in Tallahassee instruct us to do, and we have no option to do so. So we always reach an accommodation with the sheriff on that. Um, on the, we've heard about the affordable housing. One of the problems, and Senator Rich brings this up frequently, we are that the new Live Local bill permits, defines workforce housing, which is part of this, at 140% of the average uh, uh, family income in Broward County. 
the average income is uh, $75,000. So what they're, that means 1.4 times 1.4 of that, 140%, is about $105,000. So yeah, if you're earning 100000 a year, you can move into workforce housing, but we're, they're not building very much of the low income, which is 80% uh, of AMI, um, and adjusted median income, is that what it is, AMI? Annual. 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 Okay. okay, average median income, okay. Uh, and very low income, which is still workers. If it's 75,000, 50% or less, that's still $37,500. You can be working full time and get less than that. And so we do, our bigger shortage is not even in workforce housing. It's in low and very low, and we're doing what we can, but again, like everyone else, our resources are limited. I've got a lot of other notes. That the last one that I would say um, on the, as I said, the state, uh, uh, Commissioner Bogan pointed out, something that you will hear me at almost every meeting, Senator Rich, who also served in the legislature, Representative Ryan, who served in the legislature, uh, Commissioner Rogers, Representative Rogers, who served in the legislature. We regularly complain that the legislature each year preempts us. Each year they take away more and more power of local governments because the big cities are primarily Democrats and they're primarily Republican, so they don't want to let us do anything. And each year they take away more of our powers. And we hate it, and we fight it, but once they do it, we are bound by those laws. And the last thing I was going to say is, when I was in the legislature, I pleaded a lot of people, and I've received awards from both the, um, what was it, Shore and Save Homeowners Rights Now, and corn condominium owners' rights now. And I've worked with all of these groups, but I've begged, pleaded, and cajoled people to put money into their reserves, and uh, condo owners. And I had people tell me at the time when I was in my early 30s, which was you know when dinosaurs were roaming the earth, that, uh, Sonny, you know, I'm, 80 years old and I'm not going to worry about what's going to happen 10 years from now. My kids will worry about it, they'll own it by then. A lot of condos that were paying their, you know, paying their maintenance weren't paying enough. And that's in fact main reason the Champlain Towers collapsed. The board of directors asked for more money in the reserves and it was voted down. And a lot of condominium boards and I've seen this. They have people complain we're not getting proper maintenance, but then the, the residents sometimes vote either vote down increasing the uh, maintenance because people say they can't afford it, or if they don't vote it down, they uh, the the maintenance they vote down the special assessments, and that happens. Uh, you know, in, sometimes you're absolutely correct. Sometimes the problem is an incompetent or corrupt homeowners or condo association. But more often than not, 
it's not that they're incompetent or corrupt, it's just that they weren't charging enough to maintain the building properly because that's what their residents wanted. So I, I'm done now, Mr. Mayor, and thank you. I apologize for going on so long. Commissioner McKenzie had raised this in earlier, so Commissioner McKenzie, I'm gonna go back and forth and Commissioner Fur after that. So Commissioner McKenzie, go ahead. You're, and then I'm gonna go back and go back. He just, he was thromping at the bits to, to talk, so I don't wanna. Thank you, Mayor, I appreciate that. I'll, I'll be brief, because I don't wanna cover what I think we're all gonna cover. I think we all care. That's what the audience needs to hear. We all care. But how do we get there is, uh, is what we're talking about. And I advise you all weeks ago when you talk to me, reach out to each commissioner, reach out to the county administrator um, to see what she can do to come back and convince us that A, there's dollars, and how to participate in that process. And she explained to me that there's a process every year where these dollars that you refer to are being given to legal aid are kind of put back out there uh, in a competitive uh, 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 bid and you have an opportunity to, to, to take, a, take a swing at it. And I think based on what I've seen here in the county uh, from afar and now being here collectively, we are, we're always looking for money that we can help fill the gaps. So I think we missed the boat for this budget period, but I do encourage you to get with Monica Sapero and her staff and see how you can participate next year and compete for these dollars. But what I always advocate for over here is doing more for rental assistance and mortgage assistance. I don't know what dollars we have out there. I don't know what dollars we can, we can lobby for, grants or what have you, but uh, your program also does rental assistance as well. So maybe we can adjust some funds to do that. Uh, yes, I am a landlord and I do not want uh, someone not to pay me. And during COVID, I had a very bad experience um, where folks didn't pay. And then the state law said that they didn't have to pay. Um, and they didn't pay, but I, I got through COVID. Um, and then folks wanted me to fill out forms for them to get the government assistance to give me back pay. I politely said, enjoy the months that I gave you. I want my um, brick and mortar back. So it's difficult, um, as Commissioner Bogan said, uh, to, to sit here and say we want to put dollars out there to go after our, um, if you will, our tenants or our landlords who are providing affordable housing. And one of my dear friends today, uh, uh, Cooper Properties, is, is really struggling with staying in that business because he's put in the middle of, of pay, payers, non-payers, legal, insurance, uh, mortgage payments, it's just a, it's an array of things that, that really complicates this issue. And oftentimes uh, when we give these responses, uh, it, it, you may not receive them well, um, but it hurts both sides of the fence. But I think we're gonna do a good job at, at least next year entertaining you and see how we can move uh, forward with that. But what I do not um, care to hear is when people come up and misrepresent the facts. Uh, so make sure when you come up here, just ask us for what you want. 
don't quote and say he said something or he did something and you want a part of the year-long process of us crunching these numbers, uh, giving Monica's staff, not a hard time, but we're, we're, we're telling them what we want and what we need, what's best for our constituents. Mm -hmm. and, and, and they're doing a good job uh, with that, but to take one excerpt of what someone said and, and, and use it out of context, <clears throat> it's just not fair. Um, but we have heard you all. And if you haven't spoken to someone, please do that. I'll leave that piece alone. One more comment for the record. <clears throat> this is my good friend, Michael Rayner. I appreciate you in the position that you serve um, uh, in advocacy position as a chair of the board. But what I will not tolerate is a misrepresentation of the facts. Hidden figures is a true story. True story. During a time for people that look like me, during the civil rights movement, we're trying to move the needle just to be included. She didn't go across the street to use the restroom just because. She went across the street to use the restroom because the restroom she wanted to use said whites only. So when you advocate, advocate your facts. Don't misrepresent the facts, history, and the hard work, the dedication, the sacrifice of blood lives to move that needle, and even a woman's movement at the time. That's not right. So the same as I asked on the other side, do not misrepresent the facts. Advocate for what you want to advocate for, but please bring the facts when you come to this commission meeting to represent me. And I was offended with you using hidden figures. And that black woman going across the street to use the restroom it wasn't because that was her choice. She went over there because of the color of her skin. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner McKenzie. Commissioner Furrier, you're up. Thank you, Mayor. A um, couple things. First of all, I, I do want to thank you, as, as Commissioner Geller did, the people that, that did come to speak today. It's not easy to come and do that, and everybody represented themselves very well. Um, two things. One, I'm going to speak to the two main asks that were here. The first one had to do with legal aid and with the coast-to-coast coast coast legal aid. <clears throat> first of all, I wish there weren't two legal aids. Um, it's a little confusing for us, and I know the coast-to-coast, coast, I, I heard um, from your group, I guess probably about springtime, um, and you were doing a pilot project in Miami-Dade, if I'm not mistaken. Is, it, is this right? Yes. and and. For us, we're, we were trying, I think we were trying to try, I know, I'll speak for myself. I was trying to make sure that the legal aid that we have been supporting was given more money. I want to make sure that they could get more money this year so that they could, because there is a job to do and a big job to do. And, you know, we, I think it's a very important that tenants have counsel because for the most part, when they go into the courtroom, they don't. And, the, and usually the landlord does. So I think it's very important that they do. So I, 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 and I think all of us did, tried to make sure that the legal aid that we have been working with was given more money this year than, than before. What's, what's, and I think from our end, I want you to think about what, what we have to think about. If we start using more than a couple of agencies, it, uh, some of that money gets eaten up by um, administrative costs. Mr. Myers, Mr. Myers, please, if you can have that. Thank you. 
I'm sorry, Commissioner Burr. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, and I don't. And I want the money to go as far as it can go. And and I would say now at this point, every quarter we we kind of do a a revamp of if there's more money needed or money goes back. And if if the case if if we find this year that legal aid does not have enough money, then I will be the first to be asking for them to be having more money throughout the year. As we, you know, every quarter we kind of do a, a checkup. Yeah, I can't remember the right word for it, but whatever. Um, thank you, budget reconciliation. Um, because I want to make sure that we are, we are um, making sure that they do have counsel. And I really appreciate what you all are doing, what you all are doing. I am going to be watching what you're doing in Miami-Dade because I know it's a pilot project there. Um, so, and I do hope that you are recognizing how this process works. Um, it, it is not because we don't think that it's needed by any stretch of the imagination. We are going with a proven factor right now because there's such a, a need. We'll keep our eyes on what you're doing down there this next year. I'm glad um, Jeff and Geraldine, I guess it was, thank you for what you're doing. Um, it sounds like you're doing some very good work, and, and I appreciate that, and I think all of us do. Um, this year, you know, given the, the, the process this way, this year's working with legal aid, and uh, I think that's what, you know, I see that happening. But um, we'll keep an eye on what you're doing. Okay. With regard to the condo bill, um, this, this is... Um, I, I, Senator Geller is right in the fact that we're kind of outgunned and outnumbered in, on the, in the legislature and ways, ways of that. But I don't give up on that. And Ted, I think your representative is Representative Woodson, if I'm not mistaken. No? Alicia Robinson. Oh, okay. Okay. So I was thinking, I'm, I'm, I was thinking you were living where, you, where you're not. Okay. Um, but I have been talking with a couple of representatives in trying to work on a glitch bill particularly for with what is going on with what you're talking about, with ask, asking for extensions, other ways to get money to help pay for stuff. So there's a lot of, our Marta Cassini has a work group with the county that is working with numerous people to, to help um, craft um, a bill, a glitch bill for exactly what's, what's happening. So I want you to know this commission is working on numerous levels even though we may not have the jurisdiction to, to make the change, we are doing everything we can to exert pressure on every, everywhere we can to try to help on that, okay? So it's not, it's not like we, we're, because you, you are not the only person we're hearing from. I guarantee you, we are hearing from hundreds of people. And it is particularly, uh, you know, uh, Commissioner Bogan and, and, our, and Lindy had brought up the numbers and who this is affecting and how many people it's affecting. It is affecting a, a lot of people and a lot of people that are on fixed incomes. I know you're a teacher, so, you, so you're not a fixed income, but, but for those that are, it's, it's particularly, you know, they don't, have, they don't have anywhere to go, period. So it's, um, it, it's something that, I, that we're gonna keep working on. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, within the next, I know the, a number of bills are going to be put in the hopper in the next two weeks. And, and one of them in particular, I think, you'll see is going to speak directly to what you're talking about. Okay. Thank you very much, okay. Commissioner Burr and also Commissioner Hazel Rogers. Yeah. Because you are a 
Yeah. I think you both so very much. Uh, yeah. And hopefully, and, and the odds are, uh, as Senator Gale, it's a big lift. But hopefully we uh, can uh, touch some hearts. Uh, and it, you know, uh, in that legislature, are there any hearts up there? I hope there are. Um, uh, because it, <laughs> I know exactly. Um, so with that, um, I, those are the two things I wanted to address to the people that came here tonight. And thank you very much. Thank you. Commissioner Ryan. Many of the issues have been uh, addressed and um, starting off with the discussion from Commissioner Rogers, you know, it, it was interesting, you know, because, uh, you know, you correctly identified uh, the housing study that we had from uh, FIU some years ago and really, you know, what came out of it. One of the things that I thought was most important was that we looked at uh, workforce housing. We looked at affordable housing in a different light and, uh, you know, differentiated between, um, you know, workforce housing and persons who were uh, from very low income, but they needed a place, you know, to live or else they weren't going to be able to work in this county. And so um, we, we offered, um, you know, some uh, uh, housing densities, uh, like for each unit that you are allowed, you know, um, you know, in your, um, you know, zoning code or your land use plan, you know, you could multiply it based upon uh, a commitment for uh, affordable housing or very low affordable housing, and you could get like a six to one uh, b bonus density. And that, I mean, uh, you know, I, I think that when there was a uh, change in the methodology that we, we had like three tiers of affordable housing, at that point, it was recognized that every city was in some manner uh, deficient of meeting the affordable housing needs of the community, of the county. And, um, you know, some cities that were so proud that they had met the affordable housing goals, in fact, had not under all three of the tiers. And so, um, you know, we're, we're making progress there. And, uh, you know, part of it, I think, is um, the county, when, um, you know, when we're addressing these um, human services and when we're uh, addressing uh, housing that we really need to, uh, you know, to recognize that uh, the county and the, uh, the private groups that, you know, like administer certain um, programs, you know, the nonprofits, you know, we're working in concert, we're working together. And anything that the, uh, the county can do to try to like draw down money from other sources, from the federal government primarily, and, and in some respects for the state of Florida. I mean, that is what will benefit our community. We have to try to multiply our money, you know, like the, uh, what is that, the five fishes and the and two loaves, and you know, you gotta you got multiply it. Preach and, on, brother. Uh, Preach on. And <laughs> that'll lead to the Sermon of the Mount. So, but, uh, we would, um, you know, if, if we work in that manner, I, I think we can, uh, you know, be more successful. Uh, I, again, um, you know, revisited this discussion about um, um, representation in landlord-tenant matters. And um, for many of the cases, uh, I think the involvement of whether it's legal aid, 
or coast-to-coast uh, -coast legal services or something like that, you know, really what you need the legal counsel for is to be, you know, like a, a backstop. You know, if there's a deficiency in the, uh, you know, eviction process, then, then a person needs to have, you know, the ability to be represented whether or not, you know, they can pay for a portion of the representation or for none of it. Uh, because if there's like a, um, you know, a defective three-day notice or there's some provision in the lease that, that grants further uh, rights to the tenant, uh, the tenant needs to be, uh, you know, represented, um, you know, as best as, as the law will allow. But then beyond that, when it comes to the point where if, if the landlord has done things correctly, if, if they've provided, you know, uh, clean and, and hab habitable uh, dwelling units and uh, the person just no longer has, you know, the money uh, uh, to pay the rent, then, uh, you know, there's got to be a process to move on because of the uh, investment-based expectations of the landlord. You know, many, many folks, you know, they spend their whole life uh, building up enough money to have two or three rental units, and that's what they plan on retiring with. So, um, you know, that's part of that, this whole equation is, um, you know, treating everybody equitably. Um, with that, you know, I, I think there's a real demonstrated need uh, to have uh, some greater funding in this area of um, um, well, human services, but in particular in these landlord-tenant matters. And uh, perhaps if we can increase the, uh, the pot of money uh, going forward, that we can uh, have not only legal aid, but perhaps a couple of other organizations, you know, that have some track record uh, of providing these services, be able to, uh, you know, you know, demonstrate their ability and, and to get funding and to be able to reach out to a wider audience. So persons who, um, you know, not only are dealing with, uh, you know, uh, not only landlord-tenant matters, but everything else that legal aid does for, you know, domestic violence and, you know, dissolution of marriage and child custody and everything else that they deal with, you know, you, you need to have an adequate amount of money because of this uh, affordable housing uh, uh, dilemma that we're in and that we're going to continue to be in for some years to come. So um, hopefully going forward, uh, we'll be able to open it up for some further uh, uh, discussions and negotiations and a competitive, uh, you know, bidding process so that uh, your organization, which sounds like, you know, you provide a lot of great services, um, you know, low cost or no cost, that, uh, you know, there's the need in this community. So um, hopefully that's what we'll do going forward. Uh, but overall, <clears throat> I thought it was very important, and we had this philosophical discussion that we set aside uh, a sufficient amount of money because as um, Commissioner Geller had said at the last, uh, um, I guess it was the first hearing, the winter is coming. And, uh, you know, we're gonna have whether you call it a soft landing or, you know, a mild recession or whatever it is, things are not going to look in the same uh, uh, condition next year. And I think that's pretty much, um, you know, assured. And uh, so we have to be able to do so. We can't uh, deficit spend here at the county or the state level or local government. So we have to build up our reserves um, so that we continue to provide essential services 
you know, in those periods of time where, you know, our revenue may be lacking. So uh, with that in mind, I actually, you know, thank you, uh, uh, County Administrator, for a uh, well-thought-out budget, and um, I'm ready to proceed. Very good. I'm going to go to Commissioner Dean and the Vice Mayor, and I will wind up discussion on this, okay? One second round. So, so we'll see. I don't think I'm going to add anything that would necessitate a second round. I'm not going to repeat the things that I said on September 7th. If you're here from the public, if you want to, if you're watching at home, I reiterate and stand by the comments I made. Go to Broward.org, go on commission meetings, go to the September 7th workshop at 501, and you can hear what I said and what we all discussed ad nauseum. I, I, the votes weren't there. I still believe that we should do what we should do to lower the millage rate on that debt service piece, but that will be a fight for next year, and I will work through the budget process in the process. But I do want to comment on a couple things that I've heard from the public tonight, because I didn't really comment them on them last time because I didn't have the time with the other things we spoke about. As to Coast to Coast Legal, I did meet with them. I met with them in early September, and they sent the proposal the Monday of the first. I got it September 6th. I happen to think that what they're saying makes sense, and I happen to think that in our $39.5 million that we funded in item number five, for next year, as they go through, not for this coming budget coming up, but I think they should be in the process for next year because what they're saying makes a tremendous amount of, of um, uh, it, it, may, it makes a lot of sense to me. And it's, it's not so much the tenant bill of rights and, and, and the lawyer for every case, because there are some cases when having the lawyer for the tenant is not the best thing, but in many cases it is. If you, like, like Commissioner Ryan said, if you can't pay your rent, if the rent's not there and everything's been complied to properly, there's really no defenses. But many of the landlords like to see a lawyer on the other side because in a lot of these cases, there's ways that these cases can be worked out. And that's what the landlord would like to do in many cases, and I think that there's an opportunity there. Now, when I spoke to Bertisha and, and some of the other people on the Zoom call, I was under the impression that they were bringing this for not this budget for this year, but for next year's budget cycle. So whereas if we were going to have another workshop in the next you know, few workshops to talk about this in this cycle, I could find things to cut in the budget that we have now and find some dollars there. And like Commissioner Furr said, as we do the three period budget reconciliations, I think that's something that we should look at. So I, I, I do think that. The second thing, as to the young lady that spoke that was the teacher from Broward County, I think she's 100% correct. And the, the issue that, that I keep seeing, and collectively we all see it, all nine of us, see this issue of housing affordability. You can call it whatever you want. There's some at the real low end. There's some at the middle end. There's some in all aspects of that thing. There is just not enough housing supply in Broward County. When we were at the Habitat for Humanity event and these last couple of events, there were some school board members that were there. Mm -hmm. And what they were saying, and it makes some sense, if there's something that we have to do on this commission, if there's school board property that they want to build affordable housing for teachers on there, bring it to us. It's a great idea. I'm looking at different kind of things, and, and, and they should be doing that. There's schools that could be repurposed. 
There's land that needs to be done. When, when we talk about somebody getting evicted from an apartment, it's a tragedy it's, and it's a shame. But that apartment's not staying empty. There's somebody else that's going into that apartment that also theoretically would not have a place to be. So we really need more supply in Broward County. And, and Commissioner Gellers brought it up with the transit corridors and we've started to talk about more density. And even a lot of the people that say they don't like the Live Local Act for a lot of reasons, they do like it for some of the components which allows there to be some quicker building and some quicker ways to get some of this done. I saw something on social media which somebody brought up the other day. The people that say on one hand they don't want any more housing, they don't want to see anything, and they're all for affordable housing, you can't have both. It just does not work that way. And no matter how many dollars we throw at it, no matter how many programs we come up with, it won't work. There's not enough supply. Until we address that fundamental issue, we're going to have a problem. The, the, the other issue, and, and Commissioner Rogers kind of mentioned some of this a little bit when she asked the county administrator how much money we put into the, these affordable housing programs. I would say of our 600 and something million dollars that it's on our side of the budget, way more than 50 million here. Almost everything that we've done, I've been up here for seven years, I've yet to see something come before our dais that didn't have an affordable housing flavor to it. And that goes back to even raising the, the, the living wage. When, when the living wage, and, and we were right to do that because that's the other side of affordable housing, putting more pe money in people's pockets. And people on the day have said, this is for affordable housing. This helps with affordable housing. When we talk about small business development, it helps with affordable housing. So can you look at our budget and say, what are we spending? We're spending a lot in raw dollars. But throughout our budget, all nine of us on this commission have 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 pushed for that um as to what mr victor said you know i we have gone to tallahassee we have put this as a number one priority and this wasn't something just from commissioner rogers it wasn't something just from commissioner fur this is all nine of us who come about this from different ways and who are very sensitive to the needs of the different homeowners associations and and, and groups that we've had we've had we, we've had associations come before us on this dais where we knew we couldn't do anything by law and we bent our county attorney's office came up with every type of thing that we could do to try and help when even when they said hey they're going to be coming before us in the future for land use changes our people from our county attorney's office said well we're not really allowed to say anything about that but they're coming before us in the future for land use changes. So I don't think you have any friction between any, mem any of the nine up here, Mr. Victor. I know you, we've spoken before, and you have advocates in nine of us up here. Every one of us schleps up to Tallahassee to bang our heads against the wall to try and come up with this. And our legislators speak with us, and I've spoken with them as recently. You're not the only one who's talking about this. And the problem is, is that these HOA associations are voting in these management, but they will not vote in proper reserves. Nobody wants to pay anything more on any of these kind of reserves, so, so, so we have the problem that, that keeps rolling. Again, I think that this year you're going to see me as we go through this process into next year's budget thing to show my fellow commissioners where I think there's dollars that we can save so that at some point we can come up and finally say to these residents, you got to get a little bit of a break somewhere in your taxes. That's why I brought up that agenda item this morning on number five. 
there's certain things in there that I think that could be saved. It could be repurposed to coast to coast legal if that's what the evidence shows. But I just don't think we're in a position right now to debate those kind of things. So, you know, those are my comments. Uh, I think the county budget staff did a good job with the budget. There's not enough money to go around in certain areas. There's more than enough money to go around in other areas. The problem is sometimes by law we're stuck with where we can spend some of these dollars. Those are my comments. Thank you, Commissioner. Vice Mayor Rich. Thank you, Mayor. And I too want to thank you all for being here and expressing yourselves. Uh, this is uh, an ongoing issue um, and you know, when, uh, when illegal aid came to, uh, to us, we had these tremendous immigration issues uh, and we needed uh, uh, to uh, set up these things where you could provide IDs for people. Uh, we did that. And then we got reversed on that in Tallahassee for what the gentleman was saying, uh, uh, trying to explain that so much of what we do ends up getting reversed because, or preempted because Tallahassee doesn't like it and they want total control. So for me, HB 1417 was one of the worst things. We had spent a, a lot of time passing that tenant's bill of rights here and other counties had done it too, the larger counties in this state and they all were preempted and we had to unfortunately vote this week to repeal what we had because we cannot do anything that is against the law. So. Uh, you know, we, we are, uh, as was mentioned, many of us have served in the legislature at a different time <laughs> when there were different priorities, and we hope that there'll be a return to those priorities soon because they're the, they, they are the priorities that help the people, and we're supposed to all go to Tallahassee or be here representing the people. So I thank you for, for, for being here today, and uh, I'm sorry for the fact that we don't have control over over many things at, at this point. I do want to uh, mention, I, I, I have to kind of set the record straight a little bit, and I, I'm convinced now, Monica, that we must have a workshop on affordable housing and homeless dealing dealing with, with, with affordable housing. Because the, the only way, first of all, that you solve homelessness is through affordable housing. So the idea is that you have to look at building. And as was said, we're a built-out community. It's extremely hard to build, but we are, we are making progress. Uh, it, it's, we're so far in the hole, it's really hard to, to come out of it, but we can't stop. And I want to say, you know, we, we started this process. I, I came here in 2016. Do any of you know how much money we were putting in to affordable housing in 2016 in, on this days? $250,000. That's it. That's it. And now we have 20 million. I mean, it's not only 20 million because we, we're working with the municipalities. We have $3 million in there for uh, uh, the municipalities who are, have, you know, put money into there. And some of the developers in lieu of an affordable unit, they're putting money into there. So we're, we're trying to look at it everywhere we can. The original study by FIU was done in, in uh, 2018, okay? So in 2018, this county, the voters in this county voted to create an affordable housing trust fund. And right now, 
as I said, when I first got here, we, we, had not, we didn't have anything like that. Now we have put in over $100 million since that trust fund passed in 2018. We have put out of our general fund money into the trust fund, and all of that money, unlike Sadowski in Tallahassee, that can be swept, all of that money can, it gets spent on affordable housing, and it has. We provide gap financing for developers. We provide the, the ability for, for during, right, after, right during COVID, towards the end of COVID, we had passed nine uh, projects through federal money, but by the time they got to construction, they, we, the, the construction costs had gone up so much, we had to put in $11 million in gap financing to keep those projects whole. So this commission has been so committed to affordable housing and I, I, listen, it's never enough for me, I'll have to say, and, and you know, some of you will shake your heads and say yes, it's never enough because we, have, we still have this huge problem, but we still have to go after it. So that's what we're doing now. We had an update to the FIU study in 2022. That came out, everybody should read it because it, may, it, it went from crisis, as Dr. Murray said, to catastrophe. So now we're worse than we were because of in, in, uh, COVID, and, and the impact and wages, which we have increased somewhat here, not enough, but somewhat. So now we're going, they're developing a 10-year plan. For the last six months or five months, uh, a team with Dr. Murray and Ralph Stone and Sandra Vesey-Einhorn and others, myself, have gone out and we have met with people, they, they personally, they have met with people, groups from chambers to pr providers, nonprofits, corporate people, everybody, everybody they can get that wants to talk to them to find, to find out what the needs are out in Broward County. And they are coming back to us within the next couple of months with the, the draft of a 10-year plan. And then that will be the time where we will all sit down and we will figure out what we're going to approve for this 10-year plan, which will include funding. It has to include the mechanisms for funding. So that'll be a debate as well. But I, I just feel like, you know, I want people to really understand that this commission has really been committed to this because we know this is the number one problem in our community. We, keep, we have an increase in homeless. We're up to a year ago, a year and a half ago, we had about 2,000. Now we have 2,800. And I will tell you, the schools district, we are for the first time now, finally, we have our, our HMIS system, our homeless management information system is working. Uh, we have a contract with the school board. Uh, that took uh, year, years, it took. Uh, but now we're, we're working because, because we can help with the supportive services that these families need. The school board doesn't have that. And we can help find housing. We're now dealing with the families that are living in their cars with their children, over 400 of them. <clears throat> School has been open one month. 2,000 families have already been found to be homeless. So, you know, it, we just have to just keep moving and moving. So that's why, you know, and, and Commissioner, Commissioner, Commissioner Eugene knows this, that's why I can't, I can't support reducing the millage. 5.66 is low on the scale across this state and especially you know, in, 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 well, a lot of the counties have, have in the eights, uh, actually, in the eight-point-somethings. So, pardon me? Fiscally constrained counties, right. So, you know, I, I just feel we, we, we have made progress, but we have so much more to do. 
Um, I, I just also want to mention with homeless, we have uh, actually um, the 35.7 million includes not only um, homeless services and uh, uh, it, it, this is general fund money, um, but it, it includes 1.3 million for uh, permanent supportive housing and the and the the uh, COC, our homeless continuum of care, just approved the uh, uh, the what they call the NOFO, which is the, the the plan that's going to HUD for approval. And we and num and permanent supportive housing is our number one priority. We have moved so much of the money into that. Not that we don't need rapid rehousing and transitional. We do that too, but that permanent supportive housing, so people can feel that they have stable housing. That's the only way you're going to solve. Uh, 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 homeless, um, and um, so those are those are just you know, some of the some of the pieces. Um, I did want to mention um, was one of the thing. Oh, because we 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 are we've been meeting. There's a task force that's been meeting with Judge Tudor because of the jail diversion issues. So we have money that we have put in here for jail diversion, and also you know money for mental health. Uh, this is a serious problem in our community, mental health and, and much greater incidences of suicide, particularly with young people. So we're putting, we're putting money there. Um, is it enough? <laughs> in my opinion, no, but it's, you know, it's, it, 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 it's, uh, it's what we can do this year. And I also want to mention with the, with the, with the sheriff's office, I, you know, I'm, I'm not one that stands up here and waves the flag all the time, you know, uh, about our relationship and back and forth with with the sheriff but I want to say that they they have committed to doing the same thing that the Broward Behavioral Health Coalition is doing that's the best practice now and that is you know to to work through they have developed a crisis intervention it's not just about going out on the street and arresting people we know we can't arrest our way out of this that's why we have so many people in the jail and that's what we're trying to do is divert people from ever going there that where, where you're finding people on the streets. So they have developed a crisis intervention team, uh, which specializes uh, in specialized training to identify um, how to more effectively engage individuals that are experiencing a mental health crisis. Uh, they recently launched, and we're looking at that actually for our COC, a co-responder program, which pairs a CIT trained deputy with a licensed mental health professional uh, to respond to crisis calls. So these are all things that cost money. You have to hire people, get you know laptops. You actually send this, the, the, the social workers out there on the street with the, with the uh, police officer, um, and they actually kind of get that person uh, right into the process. Instead of you know arresting them and putting them in jail, get them into placement either in one of our shelters or, or one of our crisis intervention centers. So, I mean, we're trying to do a lot of things with, I, I would say, a limited amount of money. And I just want to say, I, I, I thank, I just thank my commission, all of you, you know, that we're on the same page with these things. And most, most a lot of places aren't when you have a, a, a commission group of nine people like this. So uh, I, I, I congratulate our, our administration for the presentation. I mean, for what they, you know, draft the draft that they brought us, um, and you know, we can always talk about and do more. But I think you know, there's a lot here that's good and that can really help a lot of the most vulnerable people in our community. Thank you, Vice Mayor. I'm going to miss Sapiro go, then I will wind up hopefully.
I just wanted to make sure that everyone on the dais knew that you have a hold for workshop on December 5th, and we already have it um, earmarked for affordable housing, just to let you all know. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to let uh, Senator Geller just say a tiny word before I finish up. Put me on the clock for 60 seconds. <laughs> um, uh, right. uh, the, I chair the Community and Urban Affairs Committee of Florida Association Counties. At the request of this commission, I put in to our uh, requested agenda two items. One is to ask the legislature to do a glitch bill on the condo bill to either come up with a state financing mechanism or to have a glide path of two or three additional years to get to that budget. And the second thing was on the, the um, uh, sale and ship funds, which right now says that you have to have 50% into that's, single family to change that, that it can, yeah. more can go to rental. Both of those passed out, both of those have been adopted by the Florida Association of Counties preliminarily. So we have worked on that, and that is less than 60 seconds. Thank you. Vice Mayor, just cut your mic off if you would. <laughs> all right, so as we, as we wind up discussion, too, I just wanted just a couple things, because it's all been said, really, and that's the, it's a curse and a blessing to go last. So everything is, but I think the, the audience and the, um, the folks who are listening on home, that uh, you can see the unified front that this board is uh, in all the issues that you brought before us. I, of the 10 speakers, I think five or six of them were talking about coast-to-coast -coast legal services, which we so appreciate you. We appreciate your professionalism and coming to us. And uh, I can assure you that I want to be a supporter in next year's budget to be able to get some dollars available to you because I think you make a big difference in tenants' rights. And so thank you for that. When it comes to the school board, ma'am, uh, first of all, I'm so sorry uh, to hear that uh, your situation. I really am truly sorry. Uh, school boards uh, do have extra property around their, around their sites, and we need to encourage them. And at one time, when I was my previous life as mayor of Pompano Beach, we were trying to, on um, Pompano Elementary, to get a portion of that to build affordable housing for their teachers, for their teachers so they can live literally right there and to be able to teach. So we need to encourage that as well. Um, this board's doing a lot. Again, you talk about affordable housing. Obviously, the vice mayor is our, our poster lady for that. And she continues to fight. And what you saw where we were, we are today, uh, compliments to the, the boards previously and now this current board. The Geller Amendment deals with land use changes to be able to increase density, uh, to be able to have affordability. Uh, these are things that have happened uh, in the near past that we're proud of. I do want to mention that uh, to Ms. Shapiro, this little pamphlet that talks about our budget that obviously is in the rear. Uh, I think this is awesome. This is the first year I've seen this. I want to hopefully happen year after year. Uh, so when, especially when we have our first hearing, we can get to these uh, passed out and then throughout the year. So I think it's a great pamphlet uh, that we can we can work on and have that to our folks. So again, um, can't thank you enough to everybody here tonight, both staff and the public, and uh, we look forward to working with you uh, in the future on the items that you brought forth for us. So I think the commission discussion is now complete, so I'm going to move on to the board will vote to adopt the final millage rate and budget. Is there a motion on resolution number 2023-582 establishing the final millage rate for general county purposes? Moved by Senator Geller, second by Vice Mayor Rich. Any further discussion? 
All in favor say aye. 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 I want everybody to say, okay. He says, oh, hold, hold on. Hold, hold on. Hold on. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Opposed. Okay. It passes eight to one with Commissioner Udeen uh, voting no for the record, okay? All right. Is there a motion on resolution number 2023-583 adopting the final budget for general county purposes? Moved by Senator Geller, second by Commissioner McKenzie. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Thank you. Public hearing on item A, the general countywide millage rate and budget is now closed. Item B, public hearing is open on the final millage rate and final budget for the Broward Municipal Services District to provide funds for municipal level services in the incorporated areas. The final millage rate for this purpose is 2.3353, which represents a 12.74% increase in property taxes as compared to a rollback rate of 2.0714. The county administrator will give an overview of the millage and budget for the Broward Municipal Services District. Broward Municipal Service District millage rate remains the same for fiscal year 24. The county continues its investment in the Broward Municipal Service District which is reflected in a 15.88% growth in the property tax roll. The average Homestead property owner will pay approximately $8 more than the prior year based on the increase in property values capped by Save Our Homes. Very good. Mr. Zanker, we have any public speakers uh, on the Nobody side? from the public has signed up to speak. Okay, but appropriate not close. Any further commission discussion? Mayor, just... Uh, yes. Sorry, I just want to make clear that the, um, the final millage rate uh, the, com the comparison rollback rate is 2.0714. Um, we may have mis just misheard. We want to make sure that it's clear that it's 2.0714. Did I mistake that? Yes. You might have misheard that. Okay. I made a mistake? No. That would never happen. Appreciate the... Uh, <laughs> exactly. All righty. Therefore, is there a motion on resolution number 2023-584 establishing the final millage rate for the Broward Municipal Services District? Moved by Commissioner McKenzie, second by Senator Geller. Are there any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Thank you. Is there a motion on resolution number 2023-585 adopting the final budget for the Broward Municipal Services District? Thank you, Senator Geller. Second by Commissioner McKenzie. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Public hearing on item B, the Brown Municipal Services District millage rate and budget is now closed. Item C, public hearing is open on the final millage rate and final budget for the Fire Rescue Municipal Services District to provide funds for fire rescue services in the unincorporated areas. The final millage rate for the purpose is 2.6191 represents a 12.74% increase in property taxes as compared to a rollback rate of 2.3231. The county administrator will give an overview of the Fire Rescue Municipal Services District tax rate. The Fire Rescue Municipal Services Tax District millage rate remains the same for fiscal year 24. The average homestead property owner will pay approximately $9 more than the prior year based on the increase in property values capped by Save Our Homes. Thank you. Is there any speakers on this particular matter? Uh, there are no speakers from the public. Thank you, Mr. Zanker. Any commission discussion? Seeing none, is there a motion on resolution number 2023-586 
establishing the final millage rate for the Fire Rescue Municipal Services District. Second. <laughs> Commissioner McKenzie moves it. Senator Geller seconds it. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Is there a motion of resolution number 2023-587 adopting the final budget for the Fire Rescue Municipal Services District budget? I got Vice Mayor moving it, second by Senator Geller. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Thank you. Public hearing item C, the Fire Rescue Municipal Service District Millage Rate and Budget is now closed. Item D, the public hearing is now open for the final millage rate and the final budget for the street lighting subdistrict to provide funds for street lights in portions of the unincorporated area. The final millage rate for this purpose is 0.3743, which represents a 12.81% increase in the property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 0.3318. The county administrator will give an overview of the street lighting subdistrict tax rate. Thank you, Mayor. The street lighting subdistrict tax rate remains the same for fiscal year 24. The average homestead property owner will pay approximately $1 more than the prior year based on the increase in property values capped by Save Our Homes. Is there any speakers on this particular item? There are no speakers from the public. Any commission discussion? Seeing none. Is there a motion for resolution number 2023-588 establishing the final millage rate for the street lighting sub-district? Sure, not? <laughs> Senator Geller moves it, second by Commissioner McKenzie. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Thank you. Is there a motion on resolution number 2023-589 adopting the final budget for the street lighting subdistrict budget? Yes. I got a vice mayor moved it and seconded aye. by Commissioner McKenzie. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Public hearing on item D, the street lighting subdistrict millage rate and budget is now closed. Moving on to the water control district number two which is a public hearing open to the final millage rate and final budget for water control district number two. For FY24, is there, a there is a reduction in the millage rate compared to the prior fiscal year. The final millage rate for this purpose is 0.1223, which represents a 10.78% interest, excuse me, increase in property taxes compared to a rollback rate of 0.1104. Any speakers in this particular item? There are no speakers signed up. Any commission discussion? Hearing none, is there a motion on resolution number 2023-590 establishing the final millage rate for the Water Control District 2, moved by Commissioner Furr. Second by Senator Kelly. just wanted to make sure you got it in there. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Is there a motion on resolution number 2023-591 adopting the final budget for the Water Control District number 2? Commissioner Furr, is it going to stay on that one? We're going to stay consistent, right? As Commissioner Furr moves it, and Senator Giller seconds. Any further discussion? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Public hearing on item E, the Water Control District Number 2 millage rate budget is now closed on F. The public hearing is now open on the final millage rate and final budget for Water Control District Number 3, the FY. 24 is a reduction in this millage rate compared to the prior fiscal year. The final millage rate for this purpose is 0.1325, which represents a 2.87% increase in property taxes as compared 
with a rollback rate of 0 0.1288. Is anyone speaking there are on no this speakers item? speakers from the public. Any commission discussion? Hearing none. Is there a motion for a resolution 2023-592 establishing the final millage rate for water control district number three? Moved by Commissioner Furr, second, second. second by Commissioner Dean. He is, he is alive and well. <laughs> All right. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? The motion carries 9 0. Is there a motion or resolution number 2023 593 adopting the final budget for the Water Control District number 3? So moved. Commissioner Dean moves it. Senator Gillard seconds. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Public hearing item F, the water control district number three millage rate and budget is now closed. MG, the public hearings is now open on the final millage rate and the final budget for water control district four. I wish we could have done two, three, and four together, but that's for another day. And it's sub-districts for FY24. Anika looks at me, so yeah, right, right. There is a reduction rate in the sub-district 4A millage rate compared to the prior fiscal year. The final millage rate for sub-district 4A is 0 0.0121, which represents a 5.22% increase in the property taxes compared to a rollback rate of 0 0.0115. The final millage rate for sub-district 4 is 0 0.0318, which represents a 10.03% percent increase in property taxes compared to a rollback rate of 0.0289. The final millage, final millage rate for sub-district 4C is 0.1276, which represents a 13.52% uh, increase in property taxes compared to a rollback rate of 0.1124. Any speakers on There are no speakers from the public. Any commission discussion? Is there a motion for a resolution number 2023-594 establishing the final millage rates for water control district number four and its sub-districts? Moved, moved by Commissioner Bogan and second by Senator Geller. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Is there a motion on resolution number 2023-595 adopting the final budget for the water control district number four and its sub-districts? I know, but I heard them. Uh, Commissioner <laughs> Bogan moves it and second by Commissioner McKenzie. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. The public hearing on item G, Water Control District number four, millage rates and budgets is now closed. This is always Commissioner Dean's our favorite. The Commissioner hearing is open to final millage rate and final budget for unit area one in the Kokomar Water Control District. For FY24, is a reduction in this millage rate compared to the physical prior year or prior physical year. The final millage rate for this purpose is 0 0.1363, which represents a 9.65% increase in property taxes compared to rollback rate of 0 0.1243. Are there any speakers, sir? There are no speakers, sir. Any commission discussion? Hearing none. Is there a motion for resolution number 2023-596 establishing the final millage rate for unit area number one of the Kokomar Water Control District? Commissioner Udine moves it. Commissioner Rogers seconds it. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Thank you. Is there a motion on resolution number 2023-597 adopting the final budget for unit area number one of the Kokomar Water Control District? So moved. Second. Second. Senator Giller moves it. Second by Commissioner McKenzie. 
because I just can find Commissioner Bogan in my heart on that one. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. Public hearing on item H, the Kokomar Water Control District millage rate and budget is now closed. And we're on item I. The Board of County Commissioners adopts a five-year capital program annually in, in accordance with Chapter 20 of the Broward County Administrative Code. The five-year capital program includes all capital projects and the revenues required to support the projects proposed for fiscal years 2024 through 2028. Are there any speakers in this item? There is one speaker signed up, uh, Michael Rayner. Mr. Rayner, would you please come forward? Good afternoon, Michael Rayner again. Um, I want to address uh, in relation to the capital budget that we, the issue that came up earlier. First, I want to clarify in relation to this item. There was never any disrespect meant to the black women in Hidden Figures who had to use a different bathroom in a different building because of discrimination and segregation at that time. There was never any such inference made by myself Never or ever has there been. My point was the fact that you can go to the public library here across the street. There are gender restrooms for male and female. HB 1512 actually prohibits a transgender individual from utilizing one of those restrooms if someone should walk in and object to their presence being in them, which is why I thought the movie of Hidden Figures well articulated the discrimination and the struggle in the most simplified way. You know, when it comes to human rights, we put up the struggle of black civil rights and many other communities on a pedestal because it has been the roadmap, the role model to show the adversity what so many have faced. I live, I'm one of three white residents in a 116 apartment building. I help families in need, link them to county services. I see the struggle. My concern, and I've texted most every commissioner on this day as during this meeting, asking for the county attorney to articulate or summarize what HB 1512 states so there could be a little bit better understanding of what that bill actually does, which even includes a mandated genitalia inspection of the individual if they're questioned not to be the gender in which they state they are. That's the ridiculousness that we're seeing in Florida that unfortunately the county and municipalities are having to look at and how to address in county government buildings, city government buildings, and more. And all I was asking, hopefully, I was asking somebody to call me up for that to be a simple clarification. But the question that the Human Rights Board had in relation to the capital budget is if we could speed up the timeline. Right now it's projected that there would be safe, affordable access for a county that has the moniker of everyone under the sun, but when it comes to using a bathroom, that we speed up that timeline. And so I would just ask if you can work with the county administrator. She has a plan. She's doing an assessment. I know she's working hard on that. And I just ask if there's any way you could find that that timeline be expedited. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. We appreciate that. 
Any further speakers? There are no speakers. Okay. Mayor. Yes. This is Mr. on the capital, capital program. This is on the capital, yes, okay. correct. Can I, I can speak? Sure. Okay, thanks. Go ahead. Um, I understand we're, we've added money into this for, to BSO for the helicopter stuff, right? Is this a? There is um, one helicopter allocation that we had um, put into the budget is for $15 million. Okay. And my only, my only request there, I hope BSO goes through the general process to make sure that instead of just, you know, picking one company, because we're probably going to be having to go through this for a couple of years as we, um, you know, it's important to make sure we get the right company. You're talking about for the helicopter itself. For the helicopter, right. I could tell you, Commissioner Fur, the the Airbus is the preferred for BSO. Yeah, and here's the reason why is the fact that they're they have mechanics and that are familiar with Airbus. Okay. That have been working on them for years. And so that's my understanding through the sheriff. Okay. Is they prefer that model and that make just because they're they're accustomed to you and accustomed to maintaining that. Okay. And I and you know, if if we're about to go through a whole process of fleet management, so to speak. Correct. Yes. I just want to make sure we're with the right company and we do all the all the due diligence necessary for that. Correct. I think it's important to do that. I agree with that. And I just let you know, too, that our BSO folks left at the end in the back. But I can tell you that the colonel there is working directly with Michael Riaz okay. on that plan, that long-term plan, so okay. we can get in cycle of the replacement of the aircraft. And they have been working almost daily for that. Okay. So. Mayor. Hey, Senator Gallo. We're talking about the capital plan. Right? Yeah, actually, I'll talk about the same topic okay. Commissioner Fur brought up since it was okay. brought up. The first of all, obviously, the sheriff can do whatever he wants and doesn't have to listen to us because he can. But having said that, I would express some hope that you said, and my understanding is they'd like to stay with Airbus simply because that's who they're with now and that's who their maintenance is. With all respect, and we still don't know what caused the crash, but I've flown in planes that are 30, 40 years old and older. They're properly maintained. They frequently last a long time. And I would hope that the sheriff would consider working with Mr. Ruiz um, I, I, I would feel better if I were in the helicopter knowing I, that there was a maintenance contract with a company that's working on dozens or hundreds of helicopters and sees problems all the time, not just four, three, four, I think it's four employees that are in charge or however many small number it is in charge of fixing those helicopters. I think that this is would be my request to the sheriff, who will do whatever he wants because he can, but it would be my request that he would consider a maintenance contract. And if so, you know, maybe Airbus is the best helicopter, but I think we're looking at replacing at least three in the next couple of years. And if that's the case, as opposed to just once you do the first one with Airbus, you're locked in the other three. I would hope that there would be a bid process or something so that he would uh, know what is the best, because I would hope that he would consider signing a maintenance contract with a professional company to maintain them. 
And I will obviously get that message to, to the sheriff. Yes, I got Commissioner Bogan followed by Commissioner Ryan. So four years ago, two airplanes, seven, Boeing 737 MAX 8, if you remember, crashed because of, of problems with the planes and the software and other things that were going on. So when we think of Airbus or Boeing, I mean, there could certainly be flaws. We have not learned what the problem was of the Correct. crash. It could either be structural problem or maintenance problem. If it's a structural problem, then you got to wonder whether you want to buy another one of those aircrafts. There's three types of air, uh, helicopters manufactured, I was told. Can't we tie uh, this uh, money to saying, look, it, we want you to do an RFP. We want to know first you know, what the cause of the crash was. Um, why are we going to allow the sheriff to buy a helicopter from a company if it was a structural problem? If it wasn't, then I take Ms. it back. Mr. can easily answer that question. My understanding is no. We are not permitted to require that type of process. And Mr. Um, Myers is saying the same thing. So, so if and Anika, Ms. Ashton. Okay. So the Florida statute is specifically um, in addressing the county, the sheriff's budget and all our constitutional budget specifically prohibit the interference in the operations of the sheriff, and that would include the RFP. If the board wanted to. Uh, you know, the board's only option would be to not give the funding at all uh, to the sheriff. They wouldn't have the option once it's given to the sheriff to, to tell the sheriff how he should execute. Can, can we can we function. at least wait? I don't know if you guys would agree with this. Say, sheriff, what are you going to use before we give you the money? You, you're going to make the decision. Why don't you give us something in writing as to how you're going to determine which helicopter? Are you going to care? first of the cause before you say I'm going to buy an Airbus, aren't you going to well, first determine the cause right. and, and then, you know, what what you going to say, Mayor? No, I, I go on, continue and, on. And, and so he then could do what he wants, but then if he, if he doesn't live up to what he provides us in writing, we could uh, certainly then learn from that for future requests. So, I mean, I'm sure the sheriff cares about yeah. I think, I think the sheriff will hear, the, hear your comments, and I think he'll take that in consideration. Just to let you know about the Airbus on the uh, HR-145, that um, they came to sheriff after the accident and happens to have a couple of those coming offline that normally would take three years to, to receive. So, so, I, so I was informed, Mayor, that there is a one of the three helicopter companies that competes also has one coming within availability. So, I, I don't know if that one is, is as good or bad, or but at least... I think it's incumbent upon but the sheriff's office to tell us what the cause was, because if it was a structural problem like the 737 MAX 8, there was a problem, why are the we The National Transportation Safety Board will tell us what the cause is on that, not the sheriff. Yeah. So that will tell us what the cause is at yeah. that point. I just don't want to go sideways, too sideways on this, because I think the ultimate need is, is to get the helicopter number two is ultimately the Broward Sheriff's Office has full control, unfortunately, but that's the case. Commissioner Ryan. I think some of the members may recall that going back to like, it was either like 2016 or 2017, uh, we had a uh, similar discussion uh, between then County Administrator uh, Bertha Henry and uh, then Sheriff Scott Israel with regard to the condition of, uh, of the helicopters. And, uh, you know, he was asking for additional funding and there was some figure in the middle that was kind of uh, arrived at. But, uh, you know, this issue about um, the number of helicopters and the condition of the helicopters and, and whether, you know, they needed to be uh, changed out after a certain uh, useful life, um, it's been a long time discussion. So, I mean, 
there's got to be an industry standard on this. And so no matter, you know, how many, um, you know, how well of a maintenance program you have, there's certain, I think, stressors, you know, on the, uh, you know, the frame of the helicopter after so many hours of operation. And, uh, you know, that's when you, uh, you know, you determine that it's in the best interest of the, uh, the organization that you, uh, you go ahead and you, uh, you know, change them out. So, um, you know, this is something that, you know, obviously there's best practices here and, uh, you know, what, that's what should be followed. The other, you know, observation I have is, you know, if you have three major helicopter manufacturers in the United States uh, and they're providing helicopters to, uh, you know, uh, fire and, and police departments, you know, throughout the country, you know there's got to be, you know, uh, an inventory out there and there's got to be, um, you know, helicopters that are in production at all times to meet that type of a need, you know, a nationwide need. So to me, it's not like some kind of epiphany that all of a sudden there's a, you know, a helicopter that can be purchased. So I still think, you know, we don't, we don't direct the, uh, the sheriff how to spend the money. We, we give him the allocation and then he makes those operational decisions. Uh, I think these, that's well settled law and that's, um, as it was uh, uh, described back in 2016, I think at that time it was uh, Joni Coffey that, you know, opined that. And, uh, you know, nobody seemed to, uh, to object at that time. So, um, you know, I'd say, you know, let's just go forward. But to your discussion about uh, the national, uh, you know, transportation safety uh, analysis that's going to be done on uh, the cause of the crash, you know, if in fact, you know, it, it may be some kind of a, uh, you know, a structural problem, not a maintenance problem, you know, something that, uh, you know, places some liability on the manufacturer. You know, there's always these, uh, these, these claims for, uh, you know, contribution or identification, you know, that may be made by, um, in this case, uh, you know, BSO. You know, if there is some, you know, settlement that is made and, you know, the county has gone ahead and made a, um, you know, $15 million, you know, capital expenditure for a new helicopter and perhaps there's some settlement and, um, you know, the sheriff's office gets like, you know, $7 million or whatever on a, uh, you know, a settlement. Uh, is there something that we can do? And I say this to the county attorney. Is there something that we can do to protect the interests of, of the county that, um, you know, that, that there's some kind of a, um, a set off or something that, that, that we can, um, you know, um, direct or, um, you know, uh, carry forward into uh, next year's budget year, you know, so that, you know, we don't, you know, we don't want the, uh, the sheriff's office to be, you know, to fall short, but at the same time, if there's that, you know, additional uh, uh, indemnification, I, I think that, you know, it's in the best interest of the county that, uh, you know, we're aware of that and that we can, you know, redirect some of that money going forward and perhaps to the next budget year. Thank you. So, I want uh, Nika just to have a quick statement, then we'll move on to Commissioner Dean for a quick statement as well, then we'll move on to the capital improvement budget. Uh, on that note, uh, Commissioner Ryan, I think you're, you're seeking to just have a note of some kind that any funds that the sheriff would be receiving would be able to be come back to the county. And so just how the you know, as you guys, you all know, because you're adopting the sheriff's budget, right? The, and those appropriations should come back through the county for the purposes of appropriation. Um, and we can note here for the record 
that you know it'd be the expectation of the county that we'd be able to reallocate that uh, in the sheriff's budget appropriately. Well, I, I so propose, and then I mean to the to the county attorney. I mean, is this something that uh, we would have a uh, you know a separate uh, motion and discussion on right now, or, or how does that get uh, placed in the record? Uh, you mention it right now would be placing in the record, but again, just if any of the funds that the sheriff um, uh, would get that's not expected or anticipated throughout the year are still going to come back to the board for you to address as part of any supplemental budgets that would come forward. All right. Thank you. Commissioner Dean? Um, I support having this money in the budget for the helicopter, and I know uh, on this one, I'm kind of going to defer to the sheriff's best judgment on this one. And the reason that I say that is not because he can do whatever he wants, not because they can do whatever they want. But I was, like some of you, I was at the funeral of the, of the uh, medic that died and the pilot that was there uh, who tried to get this plane to the ground or whatever. And it was uh, incredibly moving. And I know the sheriff personally was incredibly moved. What you, what you mentioned about in 2017, I think was right on point. We had this discussion and there were significant problems back in the day with maintenance for these helicopters. But I think that I'm going to give Sheriff Tony the benefit of the doubt on this one. He wasn't the sheriff at the time. I, I don't think there's going to be major set-offs for product liability claims here. This helicopter was way past its service life. There is insurance dollars there, and it's the same, same concept of what Commissioner Ryan was mentioning. There will be insurance money that will come back in there that will get put back into the budget that can go towards funding some of this per purchase. So we're putting this as an earmark. The problem with putting this out to an RFP is this will be three years before we will see a helicopter. And I, I can't have the public be that unprotected without a medical evac helicopter. Um, so I'm going to defer to Sheriff Tony on this. I don't think that it's in his interest to lead us down the wrong path. And I also think that there could be other maintenance contracts that they can look at. I think he should look at them, and I, I'm sure that he will. If there's a better way to do it, he'll do it with our our um, our push. But I'm going to support it, and I'm going to support the sheriff on this on this item without whether he can do it or not on his own. I think he's going to do it on his own just because of the human beingness of it. Yeah, I think the sheriff's been very active. I've been working with him literally daily on this matter and he's been very proactive and this particular aircraft that he's wanting to secure is obviously completely equipped and then some for medical vac so you know and, and having it in 180 days is really a, a good feat so we'll leave that up to him and continue discussion obviously with that long-term plan i just want to really encourage everybody to look at that long-term plan on our end as well as the sheriff's end is there a motion on resolution number 2023-598 adopting the five-year capital program, including the fiscal year 2024 through fiscal year 2028? Second. Who was it moved by? Moved by Commissioner Ryan, second by Commissioner McKenzie. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries 9-0. The public hearing item I, fiscal year 2024-2028 capital <laughs> program adoption is now closed. But before we do close out, I want to obviously thank uh, Mr. Zanker, uh, this evening for his efforts along with our time uh, keeper mr herman thank you so much for being with us tonight appreciate you all your efforts that concludes the broward county public hearing to adopt the final millage rates and final budgets that will support county services during fiscal year 2024 
Thank you for attending. This meeting is adjourned.